Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Well, all right, all right. Who does that, Matthew McConaughey? All right, all right, all right. I'll do that for him in honor of the Texas Longhorns yesterday who... I'm going to be honest, I don't know that I'm a Longhorn fan, but I know I'm not a Sooner fan, so I have gotten that straight in my life right now. I'm not even sure if the Holy Spirit goes to Oklahoma, I'm not sure. Oh, hey, oh, just kidding, well, we're glad you're here today. If this is your first time at Renew Life Church, can we welcome all of our first-time guests? So glad you're here with us. I know sometimes child dedication Sundays, we've got family in, in the house and some people that don't typically come here, so we just, we want you to feel welcome. This, we hope this service is a treat to you. Uh, my prayer is, as it always is, but even more so, so specifically, is I don't want you just to learn something today, I want you to experience something. Uh, I, I think the, the, the kingdom of God is, is supposed to be about experiencing something, not just learning and educating and things like that, although those, those things can happen. I genuinely hope that everyone in here encounters something that shakes When you have an encounter, when you have an experience, it can shake things loose on the inside in a way that a book and education just cannot. When you experience something, it just it breaks some things loose, and so that's really what we're uh, what we're after. Um, We're starting a series today. Uh, We're starting a series called "Let's Talk About Church." Let's talk about church. And as weird as this sounds, I I I feel like the Lord just gave me the name of this series. Well, he gave me the name of this message, and then we kind of talked about it, and over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about church. You know, uh, Matthew 6, says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and we talk a lot about the kingdom and the advancement of the kingdom, and that maybe not all of the kingdoms in the church, but all of the church is in the kingdom, and so we, we, we highlight the kingdom quite often uh, here, at, here at Renew Life Church, but I want to take some time to talk about the church. The church is, is, is called and considered the bride of Christ. If it's, if it's his wife, it's, if it's important to him, it should be important to us. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the church. But what's interesting is the phrase the Lord gave me, and I, it, was, it was kind of a weird deal, and I'm like, Lord, that is the wildest sounding message to me. Uh, we're going to talk today about how to come to church. How to come to church. Turn to your neighbor and say, I already know how I got here. <laughs> We're going to talk about how to come to church. There's a right way to come to church. There's a wrong way to come to church. There is a right way to come to church, and there's a wrong way to come to church. And I want this to be something that impacts your life. Church should be something that impacts your life, that gives you life. Uh, but you've got you to gotta go about it the right way, and that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. Um, several months ago, I got invited to, um, to San Francisco to be a part of a, a little gathering with pastors from all over the country, all over the world, actually. We had some out of, uh, out of the United States folks in there as well. Uh, a friend of mine did this, and I, when I say a friend of mine, he's, he's a friend now or more of a friend now, but to be quite honest with you, I hardly knew him when he invited us. And he invites us with all these pastors, many of whom I listened to their podcasts. I mean, this was like, this was kind of a big deal. And so uh, as shocking as this may be for you to believe, I'm actually an introvert. I don't do well in crowds. My favorite, place, my favorite thing to do when we get in the crowd is just slowly back up to a corner and watch. And also, when people start to leave, back further away from the door, because you don't have to hug them if you don't get close to them. <laughs> and, uh, and so I've got that, that going on a little bit already. And so I don't really like 
environments where I, I'm with a bunch of people that I don't know, a bunch of people that I'm, not, that I'm not used to. So this guy that invites me, mind you, he's a bit of a hero of mine. I listen to his podcast. He's very, means, means the world to me. And he goes, hey, I want to invite you to this gathering of, of people. And of course, I look at the list of who I was coming. I'm like, man, how in the world did I make the list? So I'm, we're in Leanne. I'm like, we're, so we're already, I'm already nervous. And he goes, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get a bunch of Airbnbs and I'll stay together. Great. That's what I was hoping we would do, is get in a, in, a, in a house with a bunch of strangers to share a bathroom. And of course, then in my head, I'm like, okay, maybe it won't be quite as bad. So we get there, and I have to stay with the host himself. His name's Banning Leapshire. Uh, I know he doesn't listen to my podcast. He probably should, but he doesn't listen to my podcast, so I can say his name. Um, his name's Banning, and so uh, he's the one putting this, this event on. He's internationally known and all this stuff, and he's like, yeah, and you're going to stay with me. Great. So we get there, I'm already nervous, and and mind you, when he says, hey, we're going to do this thing, it's called Friends in Cities, we're just going to gather. And I'm like, and do what? Just going to gather. I'm like, not good enough. Have you ever been in a situation where someone invites you somewhere, but they don't give you near enough information to properly prepare? So one, we're going to San Francisco, a city I've never been to, with a bunch of people that I don't know, to gather for whatever reason. And I don't know what clothes to wear. I don't know what to pack. I'm like, are, are we supposed to dress up? Are we supposed to be casual? If I, I mean, what, what is this thing going on? And, I, and I've got, oh, I've got all these people. I wonder what my room's going to be like. I wonder if I'm going to have to share a bathroom. You got all this anxiety going on. So I'm already a little like that. We get there. We walk into the, we walk into the well, we, we, we pull up to, the Uber pulls us up to the, the house that we're staying in. And they are moving furniture into the house as we get there. And they're like, hey, doesn't have any furniture, but it will in just a few minutes. Just give us a few minutes. And I'm like, I swear to God, I'm going to punch him as soon as I see him. I was thinking about banning. I was like, I just, I, I just want to punch him right now. He's putting me through just all kinds of ringers. So I'm, I'm, I go in my room, come to find out there's one bathroom in the house. Yep, that's what I did. And uh, <laughs> except for his room, he had his own little, mass, his little special bathroom because he's banning. And... Uh, <laughs> So I'm, I'm just dealing with all this stuff, and I go in the room, and I just shut the door, and I told him, I was like, I'm going to punch him. If, as soon as I'm just going to walk up, I'm just going to hit him one good time just to let him know how I, don't, I do not like coming to stuff like this. I don't like not knowing, I don't like not knowing what's going on. You know what's funny? I've been going to church my whole life, and I've never realized that's how many, many people feel coming to church. That's how many, many people feel coming to church. See, I go to church all the time. It's kind of my job. I don't really get to skip as many Sundays as everybody else does. I've been doing this my whole life. I know what to expect. I know the songs. I know the things on the screen. I know, what, I know the flow. I, I know church. Church is what I've done. But what I've learned is a lot of people don't know church. It's not normal for them. They don't know what to do. And so they come in. They've got all this anxiety. They're coming into this thing with like, okay, all these question marks. They're not really sure what to expect. And I want to talk about this, this church experience a little bit for today because one of the things, and I want to answer the question, how to come to church? How to come to church? Think for just a minute. Most of us don't do this very often, but think for just a minute and consider the posture of your soul when you woke up this morning and decided to go to church. I want you to think about the posture of your soul. What were you thinking? What were you feeling? What was the, what was the mindset behind going to church. I think it's time that especially as people from the South, people in the Bible Belt, 
we start acknowledging that most people in this church, most people that come to our church, now somebody else's church is none of our business. We're talking, let's talk about our church right now and who's in this room. Most people in here, you've been to church before. In fact, raise your hand if this was not the first church you've ever been to. Raise your hand. Pretty much everybody in this room, you've been to church. Raise your hand if you've been to more than two churches in your life. How about three churches? How about four churches? Can we just acknowledge we church people? <laughs> we church people. That's kind, it's kind of the way that it is. But one of the things that I've learned is all of us, and myself included, we church people, but we drift every now and then. We go to church for a little while, and then we drift. We get on fire for God for a little while, and then we drift. Prayer life gets, oh, I'm on point. Prayed for 13 and a half minutes this morning. And then we drift. Can we tell the truth in church? Raise your hand if you've ever drifted. We've all drifted. We look up one day and we go, how in the world did I get here? How did I end up back in this? You look up and go, how has it been six weeks since I've been to church? How, how is it that I've fallen back into this thing that I've, I haven't done this in a long time? Come on. We drift. Hebrews 2.1 says this. It says, so we must listen carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Most people in this church today, you will go in and out of seasons. And, and many times when someone comes to church, much of the time, for the, if it's for the first time to a new church, it's in a response to drift. They were going to church, things were going good, things were rocking and rolling, my life's going better, things started drifting, kids' sports started happening, another job opportunity showed up, this, that, and the other, working extra hours so you're a little tired, deer season, which is from the Lord, and... And then all of a sudden, we look up, we've drifted away, we're, we, we're just a bit in a bad mood, we're a little grumpier than we usually are, ain't no fruits of the Spirit rocking and rolling in your life, ask your wife. Things just ain't what they, what they were, and all of a sudden this thing happens, and we go, oh my gosh, we got, what do we say, we got to get back into church. Anybody else ever said that? Come on, anybody said that? We, we got we to get back, I need to give me some Jesus. Or you turn to your spouse and say, you need to get you some Jesus. <laughs> we drift. But here's what I've learned about people that drift away and then drift back into church. They carry the shame of their drifting with them. They carry the shame of their drifting. So when they come back to church, they're not full of faith, full of excitement, full of joy, full of expectation that God's got something for them. No, they're hoping they can just slide in. No one noticed that they hadn't been there in a couple months. They're, they're, especially if in the culture in the day and age we live in, if you know, they say any more the average church attender, someone that calls themselves a regular church attender comes once a month. And I'm not hating on that. I'm just, I'm just telling you some facts. I'm just saying a regular church attender, you ask them, are you a regular church attender? Yeah, how often you come? Oh, about once a month. We're, we're, we're pretty good. See, I say I eat regularly. That, when I say regularly, that means like a couple times a day, you know. 
regular church attendance is, it, it, it's, it varies. And if you're only, especially if a regular church attender is only coming once a month, or maybe just every now and then once they've drifted away and they're, and they're drifting back in, can you just acknowledge that the church or the experience of the church or church leaders have very few opportunities to capture the soul and the heart and impact someone in a way that actually really changes their life forever. But I'm of the impression that one of the reasons that the, the capture rate is not quite what it should be, or maybe that the drift away rate is higher than it should be, it's because of how we drift back in and what we bring with us when we come. We come back into the church and we come back to God so often with shame. We come back to the church. We come back to God with guilt. We come back with this thing in our head going, I should have known better. I should have known better. I can't believe I let this happen again. I can't believe I did this again. I can't, I can't believe I've slid off here. We look up and all of a sudden our family's not looking like I want it to look. I just can't believe this, this happened. And we carry this, this, this shame back into us. I, 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 one time I was walking in the foyer, not at this church, but the church I was at before, and uh, we had a greeter at the front door, and I look out in the parking lot, and in comes this person that, I mean, we haven't seen. It was a small church, so it's one of them churches everybody knew everybody. And this person comes walking in, and I see him coming, and all of a sudden, I, I just was overwhelmed with joy. I was like, I am so glad to see that person. Like, this is, I haven't, I, and in my head, I'm thinking, I haven't seen them in forever. Now, I'm not going to say that because that's not what I'm going for. I'm just really happy to see them. And they walk in the door, and a, a very uh, well-meaning person walks up and goes, Oh, my gosh, how long has it been since you've been here? <laughs> I was like, ah. You know what? A lot of times we expect that. We ex we, we're carrying that feeling already, and we're kind of expecting that kind of a response. We even expect that kind of response from Jesus. We expect that response from our Heavenly Father. Kind of like this, wow, I haven't seen you in a while. Is this what we're doing now, once every six weeks? Glad I'm not a once every six weeks God, but I'm just saying. <laughs> we, we inadvertently kind of have that feeling about him. Let me just say this. I'll say it very simple. When you come to church, you should come to church unashamed. If you get nothing else out of the message today, I want you to know this. Because guess what? We're all going to drift. I'm going to drift. Even if you don't, and there's, there's degrees of drift. So even if it's not, let's just kind of, even if we took church out of it for just a second. Maybe you're like, man, I, we, we've kind of got that. It's a discipline in our lives. We come to church. That awesome. We always drift in something. We're always in a season of drift in some way, shape, or form. We drift away from just being kind to our wife. We drift away from being intentional with our kids. We drift away from living a life of generosity. We drift away. We, we all live in these series of drifts. But I'll just tell you, to live the life that God's called us to live, when we come back, we have to learn never come back ashamed. Never come back ashamed. Because here's what's happened. When you come back ashamed, you're spending time that you could be spending fellowshipping with your father, and instead you're spending time him trying to convince you he's still your father. We'll spend the first few minutes of the, when we kind of get back in the flow. Have you ever noticed that? You kind of get back in the flow, and you're like, man, I, 
I need to pray. And I'm like, do I, do I need to get down on my knees? I, I my one knee, Tebow. I mean, I... And, and we go through all these things in our soul and in our mind because we're, we feel like we're, we're having to kind of come back because, I mean, Lord knows we couldn't just come back and act like we never left. I mean, come on. There's got to be a little penance here. There's got to be a little something here. Surely we've missed something. Surely we've lost something. You can't just come back in and act like nothing's happened. Except for that's exactly what the Bible teaches. It's exactly what the Bible teaches. You know the story of the prodigal son. I want to read it because it's just, it's so powerful. But I want you just to see what the wrong posture, a posture of shame does to a son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together. All that he had, he set off for a distant country there and squandered his wealth on wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe, severe famine in the whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to, to his field to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out. Go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned against you. I am no longer, notice his posture. He's, he's preparing his speech. He's aware of what he's done. He's aware of the situation that he's in. So when it says he came to his senses, he came to his natural senses. In other words, it's natural to think what he's thinking right now. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and sinned against you. He starts with his speech, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. I want you to think of what, what's going on in this son. This son says he came to his senses. What senses did he come to? Some sense that I have at some point in my life done something worthy to be called his son. Where in, where in life do our children become worthy to become our children? Or are they our children because of just how they were born? You, you can say what you want, but here's why you're my child. Because we made you. I don't even know anyone to say it. We made you. Mom wouldn't leave me alone one night. She was. <laughs> I look over there. She's not in here, so I can get away with that. <laughs> we made you. You didn't make you. You didn't build you. You didn't create you. You didn't even deserve to be you. You are you because we made you. 
did you know you're not a Christian because you made yourself a Christian? You're not a Christian because you've done enough right. You're a Christian because you've been born again in him. He remade you. He didn't improve you. He didn't fix you. He killed you and rebirthed you perfect in him. You cannot deserve to be a Christian. You cannot earn his affection. But shame, shame causes us to posture ourselves in a position where I need to earn this. He said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. (laughs) My friends, worthy has nothing to do with it. Only one was ever worthy, and his name is Jesus. Only one was ever worthy, and his name is Jesus. And he said, I want to give you my worthiness, and I'll take your unworthiness. When we, when we, when we posture ourselves, we don't understand sonship, when we don't understand the finished work of, of the cross, when we drift away, we drift away, and all of a sudden we think that somehow in our drifting, we went from sons to servants. Oh, there's no way I deserve to be a son anymore. I'm going to go back as a servant. And what do we say? I'm going to go back to church. I'm going to get back to this, and I'm going to do what? I'm going to do better. This time I won't stop going to church. This time I won't stop praying. This time I won't stop tithing. And all of a sudden, we go from a son to a slave. And all of a sudden, we start telling ourselves in our head all the things we're going to do better next time so that we won't drift away. You cannot drift out of sonship. You cannot drift out of family. Some of you in here, you got family members that, man, they, they just, they need a little more Jesus than the rest of us sometimes. But guess what? They're still family. What do we say? They're still family. They can do this, they can do that. What? They're still family. When you come to church, you have to stir yourself up And remind yourself, I have nothing to be ashamed of because Jesus took my shame. I don't have to, I'm not coming back to get some things right and maybe I'll get back in the flow. No. Come back unashamed. The, what I love about the new covenant and the old covenant is there's many things in the old testament, old covenant that are types and shadows of the new, of the new thing. When God when God delivered the children of Israel out of, this, out of bondage, he sustained them how? Every single morning they woke up and what came, what was on the ground every single morning? Manna, which was a kind of what? Bread. Every single morning they were told, get up and go get some bread. Well, let's store up some bread. No, that's not how this thing works. What, happens when, what happened when they tried to store up some bread? Rotted. What was he trying to train them to do? Put their trust every single morning that there's going to be bread. Then he teaches us how to pray. He says, Our Father in heaven, give us, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, we'll be done as far as it is in heaven. Give us this day what? Our daily bread. Do you start to see how he's carrying this thing over? Manna, daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. 
What is Jesus referred to as? The bread of life. Do you realize that we're called to get up every single day and go back to that bread? I'll, I'll store it up. I'll get on a hot streak for a little while and I'll have enough bread stored up. That ain't the way this works. You, there has to be awareness. There has to be a trust that every single morning the bread of life is waiting on me. The bread of his grace, the bread of his mercy, the bread of his forgiveness, the bread of his righteousness. When you get up on a Sunday, it's, it's a seven-day-a-week thing, but even more so on Sundays. You got to get up and say, before I even get to church, I'm not going to go to church to get my bread. I'm going to get my bread before I go to church. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, Lord, I know it's been a while. I know it's been a while since I've been there. I know I'm, I'm a little off the wagon. I know I've done this, I've done, but I'm so thankful that I'm still a son. I'm so, so thankful I'm still a daughter. I'm so, I'm so thankful I don't have to earn what I have. Now, here's what happens. When you take your daily bread, when you get up and you feed on that, the finished work of Jesus, and you feed on that daily bread, now you can come to church with a whole different attitude. Now you can come to church expecting to receive. Two points today. Number one, come to church unashamed. Number two, come to church in faith. Come to church in faith. Not out of obligation, not out of duty, not out of ritual. You come to church in faith. Faith believing God has something for you when you get there. God's got a word of encouragement for you when you get there. Somebody's going to have a word for me. Somebody's going to pray for me. The answer that I've been looking for, I'm getting that when I come to church. Do you realize that you have more to do with what you get out of church than I do? You have, more to, you have, a, you have a greater responsibility in your church experience than I do. Look at the scripture. Matthew chapter 9, 29. It's a principle being put forth here. It says, as Jesus went on from there, two blind men following, followed him, called calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came in and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. He touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done. According to your faith, let it be done. Do you realize that what you'll get out of, day, out of today will be according to your faith? Not my intention, not my preaching, None of those things. What, so often we come to church and we don't even realize I'm supposed to be expecting something today. I'm supposed to be believing that God has something that's going to change my life forever. Instead, we come and we just, okay, let's see what the preacher man's got today. Hope he preaches a good one. Brought some guests. Better tell some jokes. Really hoping he's going to say something inappropriate today. Usually does. One out of every two times. <clears throat> You got to come in faith. But can, can you see how you cannot come in faith if you come in shame? People that are ashamed don't think they deserve anything. Don't think that anything's rightfully theirs. But that's the beautiful thing about sonship. You don't get what you've earned or, or, or what you deserve. You get what somebody else paid for. It's called an inheritance. You get what daddy paid for. You get what someone else paid for. You can't come in faith if you're coming in shame. And if you're coming in shame, you're not, shame, you're not coming in faith. And if you're not coming in faith, 
your experiences this much. I, I just want to encourage you, starting, starting today, if this is new, new stuff for you, come in faith expecting God to move every single Sunday in your life. There ought to be, there ought to be things you're doing where you're speaking faith. That's, that's, the, that's the New Testament, New Covenant work. We speak what we believe. Believe and speak. There ought to be a ritual that starts to happen in your own, in your own family, in your own cars, on the, way to, on, on the way to church on a Sunday morning. I believe God's got something for me when I get there. I'm not ashamed. I have nothing to be ashamed of. Jesus took on my shame. But I know one thing. God's got something for me there. God's got a word for me there. I'm probably going to get healed today. Shoot, someone might hand me a thousand bucks. You say, Pastor, you're getting a little out of control. Be it done unto your faith. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Are you believing that God has something for you today? Some of you already, you, you came in heavy. You came on with a weight. One more time, just wave your hand if you said, I, I gotta, I've already experienced something. I felt I've, I'm, I'm more free than I've been in a long time. Why? We just turned our faith towards it. We just turned our heart towards it. That doesn't just have to happen some Sundays when the pastor happens to get up and speaks about something that just so happens to be talking about what you need. I could talk about the end times and you can get an answer about your marriage. Not even listening to me. Why? Because you came expecting. You came in faith. I'll just say this too. I believe some of you in here, even if you, some of you came to church in faith today. You did come expecting something. Some of you didn't know that you were supposed to come to church expecting. Well, I thought it's just what you do. You come to church, listen to songs, and kind of do the deal, drink the juice, eat the bread, the whole deal. You didn't know that you have a role to play in this. But I believe that as we've been talking, God's speaking to you about, hey, raise your expectation. Raise your expectation. It's supposed to be so much more than just quote-unquote church. I've got something for you. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.